Hi, I'm Kim Polishuk from Shooks and Gift, the podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. All right. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Get Inspired and Innovate. Uh, today on this show, we're going to talk about how to teach math since COVID-19. Uh, you know, math is, is one of those subjects that you got so many manipulatives. Uh, it's, it's so hands-on and, you know, kids learn different ways. Uh, so I don't know. I've been getting this question a lot. Can kids really learn math online? And as our listeners know, I'm an online math instructor. Uh, so I believe, yes, they can, uh, but generally the kids that I get are kids who want to take math online. So let's talk about every kid, Stephanie. I know with your projects you were doing, you were talking about every kid, uh, you know, being able to teach them. So what are you seeing? How are, uh, how are we able to teach all kids online math? The first teachers to freak out when we had to do remote learning was math teachers in my district. I don't know if that was every district, but it was definitely mine. Just because they were freaking out about how to get the kids to write on the computer. And um, it's so true, like with math, students do need to write. But I was also like, well, can we insert an image, you know, using Google Slides? Can we use Jamboard? Can we use some critical thinking to get these students? Can we use Edulastic to help them? Um, so just trying to problem solve and get the teachers to realize that they had to teach differently a little bit. And also just like using Screencastify so we could hear the thinking rather than seeing it on paper. What about you, Lance? So yeah, I think that's really a great point you put out there. Hear the thinking, because when we think math, we're thinking, hey, I'm gonna look at this math problem, it's right or it's wrong. Uh, and a lot of times when you look at something, I know that I have when I was grading math homework in the past, it's like, what was this kid thinking here? I can't figure out how they went from, you know, this times this equals this, and you know, that's just not right. So as you said, using Screencastify or something like that, you can get them verbally to talk through that, and you might be able to catch, oh, well, this kid doesn't know that a positive and a negative, when you multiply them together, it's a negative. Or, you know, when you're uh, combining integers, you know, uh, you take the sign of the larger number. So, you know, quick little things like that that you might be able to catch in something like you're talking about there. One of the biggest things, though, when I was talking to my math teachers, they were trying to completely reinvent the wheel on everything, and I said, you know what, I bet every one of these kids has at least a smartphone, you know, and we provided devices for them too, so if they didn't, I said, let them do their work on paper, take a couple of pictures of the paper, and then have them submit it to you on a Google slide or in Google Classroom, any of that, and you can still see the work. Now, do I think that's the most engaging content? Do I think that it's the, the best case scenario? No, but for those teachers that had to be able to see that student work and have it written out, that's what I said. I said, just have them take pictures of it and send it straight to you. Now, uh, a couple of cool things that I saw. Um, one of my uh, math teachers, uh, I think they stole this maybe from Matt Miller, uh, was using uh, fraction bars, which we used to buy like these packs of, uh, fraction bars and they can you know show that two halves equals a whole or you know two fourths equals a half things like that but they had his google slides on there and they had manipulated it where they given they given the kids math problems so on each slide it said all right show me that 
you know, three-eighths plus an eighth equals a half. So the kids would have to go on there. They'd bring the sliders in. They'd line it all up and show all that work. And they would have, like, five problems on a Google slide, which they made a copy for each kid. And when the kids were done, they just turn it right in. I thought that was really neat in a quick way. They could they could do a check for understanding on, you know, do students understand equivalent fractions. So, uh, but you know, we we're using Zoom here in our district. Uh, I think the breakout rooms has gone okay. Um, teachers were a little iffy about that at first because you know they had kids in a digital room by themselves, uh, and they would go and check on them. They were like, but I can't, I just don't know what they're doing all the time. I said, so you're telling me that when you're in a classroom with 35 kids and you've got six different groups going on, you know what's going on in every group all the time? And they're like, no, I really don't. I said, then how's it any different? So I don't know. We, we had a couple of battles like that to fight at first. And I tried to tear it as I was working with teachers of, all right, these are my you know, my lowest level far as technology integration goes. You know, for you guys, it's let's have your Google Classroom there. Let's have your kids take pictures. Let's have them to that end. Second one, second tier that we kind of had was let's find some YouTube videos. And you don't even have to make the YouTube videos because there's excellent math content out there. Math Antics, uh, Travis uh, Tarver, which I think is supposed to be on the show at some point. Go find their videos, bring it in. Let's find some worksheets. You can use Cami or something else. Use those worksheets and do that. So that was kind of my second tier. And then my third tier was, you know, those guys that I was talking about, like Matt Miller, you know, using Edge Elastic, using Desmos, using GeoGebra, bringing all those tools together. So, you know, I tried to find a tier that worked for every student or every teacher. So there you go. Yeah, I think that's helpful to tier it like that because I tried to tier it and use what we had and you still have so many wide ranges of teachers and that first week of remote learning was just bam 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 here's everything i got here's everything you've missed in four years of pd good luck <laughs> <laughs> good luck and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be as brave as you and say that my math teachers were the first ones to complain because i'm still a part of some of those math meetings and some of our math teachers listen to this show so i don't want any stones cast at me i'm gonna blame but we all know the right answer <laughs> <laughs> oh, that brings us to our guest that we have today, Mr. Josh Hood. He is joining us from Pennsylvania. Uh, we were up there at ASD this year. Um, GPS does not work well in Philly. I will say that. Uh, he is a PD consultant there. A lot of things. <laughs> he is a PD consultant up there. He's a Google certified trainer. He's an Apple educator, Microsoft educator. He's formerly a high school math teacher high school administrator, and he currently is an adjunct professor also at a community college there. So welcome to the show, Josh. Well, um, thank you for having me. So I know that you said that you've got a lot of different hats that you're wearing right now. Uh, I know that you've taught math for, for some time now. How are you seeing math transition right now during this COVID-19 uh, pandemic? Well, I think like every two weeks I run um, – roundtables for elementary math teachers and secondary math teachers through Zoom. And I give them an opportunity to come on and share our, our, our four main things that we talk about are, A, how are you doing, first of all? That's our, that's our number one component is making sure we're really um, hitting the social emotional learning component for them uh, and how we can support them. Secondly, what's working so they can share ideas. Third, what's not working. Um, 
And then fourth, you know, how can we support moving forward? Um, I think the one positive out of what I've really seen about this is that teachers have really thought more in depth about how to ask math questions now. That, you know, with what they're giving kids and whether it's a first grader or an AP calculus student, they're really starting to, to understand that the why and the how are so much important than the what. And, you know, that, that these kids, you can put problems out there and a child can plug it into PhotoMath or any of those apps that are out there, plug it into, to, you know, plug it into Microsoft OneNote and it's going to spit everything out for you. But this idea of how can I get kids to really understand the why and that conceptual understanding approach. So just that idea of listening to how kids are solving math problems. Um, I, a lot of the things I hear from teachers is, is wow, kids are using Vocaroo or kids are using voice recording just to explain their thinking. If only those kids could do that and write that down on a piece of paper. But it, these kids now are able to do things like that to help their writing skills in their math explanation. Um, also too, that it's this idea of, especially for the older kids, now kids are doing math when they wanna do math instead of doing math at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, so now these kids are, are finding that time when they wanna do it. Um, and, and it's also, there's been a lot more focus on quality than quantity. So instead of doing one to 31 the odd, and if you have time, do 33 the challenge question, now we're focusing on that high order question. And if you need more practice, try one to 31 the odd. And that's been like a, a tremendous mind shift, something that I've really been trying to work on in my realm the last couple of years is that that challenge question shouldn't be called a challenge question. That should be the question. And, and that's what every kid should be working on. Uh, so it's been really, really great to see that. Um, the, the challenge that a lot of my secondary teachers have been facing is the equity piece as well as um, the engagement piece a little bit that there's a population of students that are there all the time, whether synchronously or asynchronously, but there's still a population of kids that teachers are doing everything they can under the sun to try and get a hold of these kids, but the kids just, they're not, they're not checking in for some reason. Um, we have some districts that have really high attendance and participatory rates, and we have others that, you know, they're doing everything they can, but, and they're continuing to do everything they can. But I would definitely say the questioning and, and the teacher's understanding really of how kids are solving problems has been some, some great high marks in that area. Gotcha. Stephanie, do you know why uh, he said that they do one through 31 odd? Because the answers are in the back of the book. That's right. And generally in a math textbook, the even even answers in the back of the book. Didn't you teach math for a while, Stephanie? I did, yeah. yeah. We used Eureka math. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I would generally, I'll be honest with you, I would mix it a little bit and let them have the answers in the back because I didn't care if they saw the answer. And I'm kind of that way with this this new photo math thing too, you know. Everybody's like, well, the kids can just take a picture of it now and it gives them the answer. But you yeah. know what? If they if they do that enough and they start seeing the process enough, do you not think it's going to eventually just click with them of, of how to do these steps to get through it? And I yeah. think too, the immediate feedback that they get from it. Mm -hmm can help them yeah. really learn, okay, what next steps do I need to do? Yeah, so that's, that's where the lens I've been framing the questions is, is it's no different than you and I, when we don't understand something, us going to YouTube or us going to Google to try and find a solution to that. Uh, so sometimes we need an extra model or, or, or something like that. Um, the one thing I will say that it's been really awesome to see what teachers are doing in, the, in this crisis that we're in. You know, teachers using every, I mean, we run professional development sessions in our office. Um, we're running every, like, 
how to do Skype, how to do Zoom, how to use Loom, how to use Screencastify. And, and the one thing teachers are overwhelmed with the choices that are out there, but they're also taking advantage of everything out there. And, you know, as I've seen teachers using, standing in their shower and using their shower as their whiteboard with their, with their, uh, you know, their laptop on the sink doing <laughs> I've seen teachers using their refrigerator for that. I've seen teachers going out and doing it with chalk on a driveway. You know, so the creativity of that and that just, you know, the, there's so much negative, a lot, lots in the newspaper, the negative things that teachers do. And I think what we're seeing right now, we're seeing a lot of the pot, what teachers are doing on the positive realm in this environment. And, and um, these stories that are coming out that, that teachers are trying to do are just so utterly powerful, especially in math, because um, every time I do a, a training in math with technology, whether it's Google, Apple, or, or, or Microsoft, I'll, I'll always get a couple people that go, well, I'm a math teacher, Josh. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, that's great. You know, and, and here are some things we can do for that. So the kids have really been a driving force for a lot of the teachers of doing using Google drawings for virtual manipulatives or, or even using Google slides to problem solve. Um, and it's, it's really turning the tide so that they're seeing that this, this tech innovation with math is really coming from both the side of the student and the side of the teacher right now. So one of the other things too that I used in the past, you saw my slides there, was uh, setting my background to like a coordinate plane with a little workspace in there and then using the line tools and the poly tools so you can plot points and graph and, you know, duplicate you know, that graph paper as many times as you need to. I just think that it helps a little bit with an equity issue too, because I don't know about you, but when I was teaching, there was always that, that student that couldn't afford graph paper. Uh, or that kid, I was the kid that I bought, you know, the huge pack of graph paper. And the first time I used it, I lost all the other sheets yeah. and, and, and then it was gone. So, so I really think that some of these tools can help us uh, with, with some equity issues here. Yeah, and that's, you know, I heard you make a point earlier, and I agree with you. I've, I train all over the place, and, I, and regardless of what the economic status of the area is, what I've always found to be true is there's at least one member in the family who has a smartphone. And, you know, so using things like Google Keep and snapping the background as um, line paper or a graph, kids can really quickly do things from kindergarten graph to up through, um, you know, the graph of a derivative in a calculus class, screenshot it and send, simple things like that. So, you know, just to show that these tools are out there and they're free and, and how kids now, they don't have to do all math the same way, that kids can do things differently. Where it's, I can draw a graph, take a picture of it and submit it, or I can use these tools and submit it to my teacher as well. One of my teachers, they did this really cool activity. So the kids built a fort and then on Jamboard, they had to do different like surface area and find the volume and all this other stuff. So I think teachers are really having to think out of the box. How can I do some of these unplugged activities with um, a, like an online activity? What can I do to get them engaged? Because we were talking earlier before recording, engagement's difficult, especially right now when you don't have many options to force their attention. Um, so you really got to think out of the box. But another thing I've been trying to tell teachers too is that the number one, I mean, I see it with my fourth grader because uh, I'm teaching first grade math to my daughter and her friends and, and fourth grade math to my son and about four or five of his friends on Zoom using Google tools. And, and every day, one of my word problems is involved around Fortnite. And because kids, they're doing math in that game. And I tell a lot of parents, yeah, I'm not here to debate or talk about Fortnite, but kids can go into that game 
and they can tell you how many chests are here and how many materials I have here and what map where I need to go uh, uh, on a map. All of those things are spatial, um, uh, um, uh, analytical, all these concepts. So a lot of these kids are doing math in these games without realizing it. So I, I frame a lot of my fourth grade math problems with them around the concept of that game. And I've been telling teachers that to, to be using things like Minecraft, Roblox at an early age, uh, because those kids, they have a, a concept of number. They have a concept of cardinality at an early age with those. Uh, so, you know, it's a lot of teachers are really fearful of talking about those things, but that's right right now, that's my saving grace for my son because that's how he's communicating with his friends. Yeah, he's playing the game, but he's talking with his friends every day. Whereas like I see with my daughter, she doesn't hurt. She gets to talk with her friends when we do math because we're on Zoom or when her teacher does her check-ins on Zoom. So that's, it, the more we can try to incorporate that gamification component with a lot of the things that kids are doing out there in the environment we're in, it's really helping to see kids in that application of math, of why is it important to understand how to read a map? Why is it important to you know, be able to multiply, divide, add, understand a function, all those things, so. You know, one of the things I did with my daughter at a young age, we're, we're big gamers too, we play a lot of uh, JRPGs and things like that, was I, I would figure, or it would tell you usually the experience needed for uh, to level up. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we would, you know, there's always a grinding point to where you, you're just going and you're leveling up. So we would go on a run on like a circle or whatever and be battling these enemies. And I would have her calculate, all right, how much do we get on each run? Now, how many runs do we have to make to get to the next level? Now, we know that this is going to grow. So we got to figure out how many exp experience points do we need to get to the desired level you want to be at? Mm -hmm. How many runs do we have to make to get there? And how long is it going to take us to get there? And she would sit there and she'd calculate that out. She'd be like, looks like it's going to take us about six hours to get there. I said, okay, well, how do we need to do that? Well, let's do two hours today, two hours tomorrow, two hours the next day. All right, we've got a plan together now. This is how we can get to the go. And guess what? She bought into it every time. Yep. And I, lo I love it as a dad because, one, she's learning math, two, that was six hours she spent with me. Yep. Stephanie, yeah, I, you'll, le you'll learn these things. You, you'll have to trick AJ into spending oh, yeah. time with you later on. I love games, so that's one thing that I'm definitely going to use to my advantage <laughs> to get him to do things. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're going to go to our next section, which is our meme and quote section. So, Josh, what meme or quote did you bring this week? Um, I, I did a Captain America scene from Avengers Endgame, Avengers Assemble. Um, so mine is shout out to all the old people for graduating high school without Google. Um, <laughs> I had it a little bit like the internet, but I really don't know how people survive right now with COVID without Google. Yeah, there you go. And then I've got one that's the Beatles cover, uh, and it says the Beatles don't come together. So... <laughs> Uh, we need to come together as much as we can right now as educators working together. But, of course, we can't really come together right now. So I thought that was kind of very punny. And then, Josh, what's something that you've learned this week that can um, be used tomorrow by our listeners? It's just that understand that kids don't have to be on a computer right now to learn math, especially at the younger ages. This is the perfect time to get out and play card games and board games for those younger ones, games like Trouble, uh, games like uh, Go Fish, but instead of Go Fish being a match of four, make it a sum of five, a difference of three, you know, a product of, of 72, things like that. Um, because there's so many kids right now that, you know, I'm 41. I grew up playing board games my whole life. 
And those are some of the overarching concepts for our kindergartners and first graders that we're trying to teach in math. What does six mean? You know, what is six plus two? Playing junior monopoly, understanding addition, subtraction. So it's this idea that yes, we are doing virtual instruction, but virtual doesn't mean using a device. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my suggestion is using mystery Skype um, or mystery hangouts, whatever you wanna use, but it's just a fun game for different people around the world to play. And the kids just play 20 questions and they have to guess where that location is at. Um, so it could be really fun right now, just to spice up. I know right now it's our last week of school. So just something fun for the kids to do. Lance? Yeah, so I've got on here, it's a website called ST Math. Uh, I don't know if you, any of you guys out there have, have ever used it before. Uh, it's got really high reward or awards lately. Uh, they, they take a different twist on math. They use uh, a, vi uh, a visual instruction program. So it's actually, you know, kind of hands-on and visual for the students can actually see why this is happening and why that's happening. And I think that that's so important for us to be able to have our students conceptualize what's really going on behind the math. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to Get Inside and Innovate. Josh, how can people connect with you? Sure. So um, I'm on Twitter. It's... Uh, uh, at Josh underscore Hoyt, H-O-Y-T underscore P-A. So make sure you connect with Josh and improve your learning for next year by using some of these skills. I know it was a lot of focus on math, but you could use this for any subject. Um, so just try to think outside of the box on how you can use these different strategies. Okay, right, thank you so much for listening. We'll chat with you guys next week.